0: Oh, hey there. Welcome to the Monday Christian Podcast again. Dave, good to have you.
1: What's up, bro? How are you doing today?
0: Good. You've been touring the country this week.
1: Yeah, you know, Orlando, it it may have been 85 and sunny, but I'm sure glad to be back In this morning. It never really got light. It just got less dark, and there's nasty brown snow piles everywhere, and yet... Uh, I'm happy with the Lord today, and I'm, I'm kind of pumped about uh, the topic we have going on today.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. It's funny what the weather does to you. This time of year, my wife and I were just talking about it last night, that we need to get away and basically do what you did, go to a place where it's warm because the winter months just kind of start to get to you. It, it, it's so funny. Next week, we're actually flying to Alaska, so we're actually doing the exact opposite of what ah. we should be doing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but in-laws there, right?
0: In-laws, yes. So yeah. It makes it hey, all worth man.
1: it. Yeah, there's a lot of warmth there, I'm sure, so that, that'll more than, than make up for it, so yeah.
0: Yeah, we got a guest on the podcast, Tita Patamber, and she I've known her for several years. Looking forward to it, and one of the big things, Dave, is we've talked about this before. Um, does God still speak to us today? And mm-hmm. the obvious answer for every Christian is yes, right? Yeah, oh, of course God still speaks. Okay, what's that look like, right? Yeah. Uh, how yeah. does he speak? Like. All these questions. And like, we've all known the creepy person that says, God told me that you should do this. And you're like, Yeah.
1: And you're like, No, no, he actually didn't. You just had too many tacos last night, right? You're like, you Yeah, know, that wasn't from God. But and as soon as like the topic comes up, I feel like we immediately, based on our background, have a certain framework. Yep. Either to put that person in when they say something like that or have an idea in our mind, you know, what does it mean that? I I think it's fair to say that God has consistently revealed himself as someone who wants to dwell with his people. He wants intimate relationship with his children. But what that looks like and what that means, I think that's where the confusion comes. And so I'm, I'm kind of excited to talk to Tina today.
0: All right. Well, let's get into it.
1: You're listening to the Monday Christian Podcast. The program dedicated to helping you put into action the truth of God's word that you hear on Sunday to your everyday life on Monday. And now, here are your hosts, Ezra Beyer and David Hartkoff.
0: Well, Tina, it's good to have you. Welcome Hello. to the Monday Christian. What's
2: yes. up, Thank Tina? You me. Yes.
0: Well, hey, for those of you that don't know, uh, Tina Patamber is actually a doctor. Tina Patamber, and uh, Tina, you are doing something that Dave and I are trying to do and think about giving up on every single day.
1: Uh, yes.
2: <laughs> uh, keep pressing on, brothers.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the stacks <laughs> of books. <laughs> my my stacks of books are well hidden by the music stand, for example, behind me. <laughs> but it's it's a uh, it's a. Beautiful journey, but it's a lot of work. So, uh, congrats mm-hmm. on on sticking it out, Doctor Tina. Thank you.
0: Lead pastor of Solid Rock Community Church, and uh, Tina and I first got to know each other several years ago uh, when my wife and I lived in Toronto. And just, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something later on about that something special that happened um, from getting to know you better and your ministry better. Um, but the topic that we're talking about today is one that tends to either uh, freak people out or people get very super excited and they're like, Oh yes, I want to tell you all the ways that God spoke to me. So I'm going to start with the most basic question that probably you've faced, you know, a dozen times already after writing this book. Um, And what led you to write a book on this topic?
2: That's a great question. And I think, um, I'm going to answer it like this, like since the time I was saved, which was age eight up until now, I'm in my late thirties. I just have this passion for people to know God in an intimate way. And I believe that God can speak to us. And and even from a young age, I just felt like the Lord has been speaking to me in different ways. And it was just, it just seems like this seems to be something that's far from people's hearts or they just don't know how, or they just don't think it's possible how a grand God wants to speak to someone like you or me. So yeah, that led me to this. And, and in the last five, 10 years, God's been speaking to me in different ways. And I thought, you know what? Maybe it's time to write about this and share this passion. And I and I really have a heart for all people so that they know God and know Jesus. So that's kind of where it started. And, and so I basically penned, started penning this book about two years ago.
0: Cool, Dave.
1: Um, so my question would be... Um, so you, you mentioned that you were saved, I think, age eight, correct? Yes. Do you, do you feel like um, there were people in your life that were talking about these sort of things uh, in the faith tradition that you grew up in? Did you have a unique experience or two that kind of triggered some of this writing? Was there a unique experience maybe in your childhood or in your faith tradition that sort of prompt, prompted some of these uh, thoughts, discussions, research about God speaking?
2: I think like, yeah, I've had good people in my life who've been good mentors, and I would say were role models of the Christian faith. And because of their love and care in my life, it made me want to know God even more. So that's the way they've motivated me. But uh, on a serious note, like I remember at the age of 19, I started going to the University of Toronto. And I remember saying to myself, like, I really need to get into the word more, like, learn it better. I was reading it like every day, the, ch- the chapters um, mm-hmm. during my high school years. But then I thought like, now I really need to go even deeper. And that's when I really started to get more intimate with God and started to read a chapter a day in the morning, make notes, pray. Then I would travel by bus to get to the University of Toronto downtown. And so um, since then, and then even more in the last 10 years, I don't know, just maybe because of my hunger for God and wanting to know more, um, the Lord just started to speak to me in different ways, like word of knowledge, dreams, visions, and um, I ha- I haven't always talked about these things with different people because, like you said earlier, sometimes people think like, well, this is weird or their faith tradition doesn't support it. But that's pretty much how it's happened. So I would say it's more organic, like it was more of a natural byproduct of the fact that I was just looking to to know God more. It's, and yeah. 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 And I, I'll just, just say like in Sunday school, I remember like listening to all the stories and I always had these questions and I was just more of that kind of kid that was curious, but how, but why? And how come? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I really took these stories to heart and maybe just like childlike faith, just, yeah. you know, coming like a kid to God. So, yeah.
0: Are you uni- unique in that area? Like when you talk to other Christians and you compare faith experiences that you have and how... Like, as you outlined in your book, that God has spoken to you about numerous different things. Um, is that a unique experience when you talk with other Christians?
2: Probably yes and no. Like, it depends on who you're talking to and which circles. So there are people in my life who also resonate with some of the things I've I've experienced. And it's great to talk to them. And, and I've had people in my life share their own experience about me. So that's been a good encouragement and then there's of course i think people that you just don't talk about these things with because there's just this sort of spirit of well i'm not sure and is that really true and they're skeptical right so um i pick and choose but i thought why not write a book and just say let them decide <laughs> after reading my book let them decide if it's uh, true or not so
0: D- dave i'm just curious do you run into that much with like uh, i guess we call cessationists or people would say okay yeah. hey the Holy Spirit really doesn't work as he did in the book of Acts.
1: Mm, mm. Yeah. Do you run into that yeah. much? So I, I think I'm blessed to be on a campus uh, where I work that is very open. And I come from a family. One of the last conversations I had with my grandfather who was a pastor, um, he said to me, Hey David, you're in a, you're in a stage of life with young kids. I was working three jobs when I was your age and I was hearing all these old time preachers talk about God, waking them up in the middle of the night to pray for people. And he said, yeah. God never did that with me. I was working three jobs and I had young kids and I just slept cause I needed to. But he said, now as I'm older, it seems like God has different things for me to do and he'd wake me up in the middle of the night and pray for so-and-so and pray for you. And I just want you to know, just walk with God, man. And so yeah. I, I have some of those, I'm very, God is God and he can do what he wants. I, I do have some friends, I think that would, would look at the list. So I'm looking at, uh, the list I wrote down from the, the one chapter, God speaks, dreams, visions, prayer, angels, visions, word of knowledge, signs and wonders, Holy spirit, nature, and through Christ. And they would really highlight the primary way God speaks to us is through his word. Do you, Mm -hmm. do you think that's a fair statement? Uh, or is that, is that putting him in a box? That would be my question to you.
2: Probably both. I think it's a fair (laughs) statement. I would say that's how I got to know God better. It was just reading the word, you know, reading the word every day and just taking in the word. And I would say, yeah, that's definitely probably the primary way. Mm -hmm. But as you grow in your walk with God, you realize he's not limited. You know, I talked about (laughs) that in the book, like that story about him using a donkey to talk to Balaam. It's just like, okay, sure. Sure. Maybe that's true. Um, yeah, and if you believe the word of God is true, then we have to believe it's true. But that seems so far removed from us because and I think that's cultural because we are in North America and I, I feel like we're a little bit more structured. And I have yeah. a science degree and, and I'm a logical person. So I'm not high on emotions. And that's just yeah. my personality type. I'm more of an introvert, non extrovert. I've never been an emotional kind of person. But what I'm learning in my development in my walk with God is he can do whatever he wants and he can talk to Amen. us however he needs to and we shouldn't put him in a box because what's happening here in canada is going to be different in india or africa or australia and and who are we to say well no the only way god speaks to us is through his word so i hmm. i'm learning That's that good. it's not good for us to put god in a box he he's he can do anything he wants and he will
0: what do you yeah, do with the about, mess yeah go, go ahead dave
1: no i was just gonna follow that up with a yes But how do you talk to someone who seems, you know, maybe we've all had that friend that is thinking about taking the next step of faith into a new career or something like, well, I I do it. But, you know, God hasn't lit the bush on fire yet, so I'm not really obligated to move. How do you how do you tell them that God's not obligated necessarily to do the same? Like, I'm I'm very comfortable even with with God speaking a certain way to somebody that he typically doesn't with me like th- does that make sense
2: well yeah but i think the holy spirit he's he's smart and sensitive <laughs> and he knows how to get our attention yeah so i think it's a two way relationship right we have a relationship no. with god and if we're open to how he can speak to us i think he does and mm-hmm. then if we're not bo- if we're kind of like a boxed in person, then the Lord will just use what He knows you are open to to speak through that. So if you're like saying my primary mean is just through the Bible, then God is mm-hmm. going to speak to you through the Bible. But if you're open to like dreams and visions and whatever else, He knows yeah. that He already knows us, and so He will use that to, to speak to us. So I, I think there it's a two way thing. It's not just one way, in, but the Lord. Again, God is good. Like He if He really needs to get something across, He'll get your He will get your attention. Yes. no doubt about that. I'm
0: just curious again, Dave, when I'm listening to, to her share, you work with a lot of students. What's yeah. the biggest misconception you think young people have of hearing the voice of God in their lives?
1: Well, I think what, what Tina said is so good. I I feel like getting into the word and discovering who God is and who he's revealed himself uh, in ultimately in Christ, right? If until you get, I almost feel like that's the 101 class. Hmm. Like you're not, you can't, I don't know that you can have a ton of these amazing experiences maybe until you've, and of course God can do whatever he's thinking wants. So as I'm talking, I'm thinking about Cornelius, right? Um, so, I mean, God is God and he can do what he wants, but I think for students, they they want something sensational sometimes, and yeah. I want to point them back to get into the work. This is God speaking. This is a miracle that we have this book. Like He wants to speak to you through it. And I think we, with a lot of folks, we really need to start there. That's my experience with students. It's funny you
0: hit on something that I'm just curious about. You mentioned that you came from more of like. You know, science-based background, analytical mm-hmm. background, you know. Did you ever think it was kind of funny that God would reveal himself to you in this way, and then perhaps to people that are more emotional, um, that he would reveal himself in a different manner. Like did you ever you ever think about that?
2: Yeah, like I just think um yeah like like the Lord he he's an interesting person. Like <laughs> he just in my book, I talk about I'm 19. I'm in my first year at University of Toronto. I'm doing a science degree and, and that's where I'm planning to do. Um, I've always wanted to do like something in science. Math is always easy for me to do in school. And then I'm like going to the subway and, and, and I hear this voice and I'm just like, I thought somebody was talking to me So I was looking around like who, who just uh, you know yelled out my name and it was nobody was there. And I thought, what is going on? And that was the year I started to dig deeper into God. And it's like, you know, the Bible is so true when it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. And yeah. so I'm just being myself. I'm 19. I'm at first year of school and, and the Lord's speaking to me. And then I thought like, and I was journaling that time. So I thought, you know what, let me go home and journal this. And so it's, you're right. Like, it's like, you're a structured person, you're logical, And then God speaks to you in this sort of like emotional way, I guess, or supernatural way. And, and then it can be vice versa you know you might be a more supernatural person dreams visions prophet prophet and then prophetic word and then god just speaks to you like with a verse <laughs> like and it's like this is a little bit more um tangible i guess and so it's just it's just like like what david was saying like we we can't, we can't put him in a box like he knows how we need to be spoken to and maybe it makes sense that he does it the opposite way because then you can say it's god and not you yeah i don't know if that makes sense but that's the way i look at it
1: It's great. So my question would be um, if I have a student that comes into my office or even somebody at a church, you know, I think God is, you know, maybe we've all had experience with people. I feel like God's asking me to do this. And I'm like, well, that, that seems to violate his written word. So that's not God asking you to do that. Where is the, when you have something that seems, uh, so I have a couple people in my life, when something like that happens, I go to them. And I say, I feel like God is asking me to do this. I just, I, I can't say that. But I had a situation a few weeks ago. I was like, God is asking me to do something bizarre. Didn't really want to do it, and I took it to this person and said, Hey, I, I sense God asking me to do this. What do you think about this? And then I went to my dad, who's even though he's a new Christian, he, God is really, he's got a direct connect, you know. So. Uh, where where's the, where's the caution. Al- also like the God is going to speak to you. He wants to, but also you need to check in with the, some counselors or something. Does that make sense? Where, yeah, like, where's the,
2: yeah, like I call it biblical counsel, <clears throat> yeah. godly counsel. Yeah. You know, what's important what I'm learning is there are some things you should share and some things you shouldn't. So I've learned the hard way that there were some things I think God told me. And then I revealed it to some folks and the response wasn't what I expected. And so I thought maybe I shouldn't have. Re-. And the reason I say that is because I remember like in the old Testament, when jo- Joseph got his two dreams, he went and told his father and his father didn't support him. He rebuked him. And then I think it said it kept, he kept the matter to himself. And so it was like God had gave him a revelation, but it was for him, not at that time for him to share. And I think, that is one thing as individuals need to do. When God tells you something you need to pray about, is this the time to share and with who? That's
0: good. That's, that's a and huge then, point, I think.
2: Yeah. And then um, you can share, if you're going to share, share with someone that you believe has good wisdom, godly counsel, because then he or she is going to be able to track in the Bible, you know, does this make sense? Uh, is this just a, um, maybe this person's way off. So, so these are not, they're, these are not always easy things to do, but, yeah. you know, we, we know in the Bible that God told a lot of people some interesting things to do. And, you know, Noah's one of them, like build this boat and, and put eight people like, you know, people thought he was probably crazy for sure. And yet he was listening to God. So mm. I still believe that God can tell us things that are a little bit bizarre or doesn't make any sense to people around us. And then we have to, know who to share with and who not to. So, but there's some people that don't believe that. They're they're like, oh, no, no, God's not telling you that. So you you might get a pushback, which might be negative, but what if it is God?
0: That's a great point at the end. You said that, well, what if it is God? And I think that's a big thing, yeah. is that could we miss out on what God might potentially want to do in our lives? Because I'll be honest, just when, it, when I was pastoring especially, I received, over the years, dozens of what I would call prophetic words, right? Someone came and they said, Ezra, we believe God is going to do something like this, whether it's through you or through the church. And sometimes they came true, but oftentimes they didn't. And there was kind of a timeline attached to those prophetic words. And so it was obviously, okay, that wasn't true, right? And over time, I think people have gotten tired of, whether it's prosperity speakers who get up and say, okay, God is going to do this. And so we become very comfortable just dismissing that God is really actively working, and we become kind of cynical in our minds. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to share something real quick. I don't usually do this, but sure. um, you know, I kind of guard against sharing like supernatural stories just because I don't want that to be the basis always for why people, mm-hmm. you know, just my story lines up with your story and that kind of thing. But several years ago, my wife and I were going through a time, and we were uh, praying about having kids. That was a big thing in our lives, and we had been praying for years to have kids. And um, it was just kind of one of those things. And it was just, it was just a hard, hard season. And I remember Tina, uh, um, we were, I figured we were talking one time and you sent, I think it was a text. I don't, I don't think I yeah. still have it. Um, but you, you said something, you said, I believe God is speaking that you're going to have a baby girl first. And then a little boy and your baby girl is going to be quite a bit taller. Now, when we received that, I showed it to my wife, and we were like, "Well, I guess time will tell."
2: <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> Here, here's the funny thing, though, is we went. I think it was um, a couple months after that. It was very, very short time afterwards. Found out we were expecting Zoe, and uh, when we went in to that waiting room. It was funny. Both of us. It was kind of. It was weird. It was uncanny. Both of us went into that waiting room uh, north of Toronto. I think actually close to where where you live. I think Tina uh, up in um oh Markham. Uh, the um oh, oh it was an S. Uh, my, anyways, Mark- Markham
2: Stovall.
0: Stovall. Yes, there we go. Stovall yeah, General Markham Hospital. Hospital. Yeah, yep. and so we we walk in there, and and both of us we it was like we all we almost left without them telling us what the baby was because we just both knew it was a girl. Like it was weird. We both mm. just internally knew it and they confirmed, we were like, oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, was, it was weird. Same thing happened with Zeke. We walked in and we just, in our minds, we didn't really tell that to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Zoe just got back from her, one of her checkups. She is in the 97th percentile for height. <laughs> she is one of the tallest girls out there. And I say all that to say there in my, in my mind, in my experience, there was no question that God used you at a time in our lives when we had been praying and it had been struggle and it was discouraging to speak hope into our lives and to offer hope and, and help. And again, it's hard for me to relay that to someone who didn't walk that journey with us. It's hard for me to explain that, but that was a very personal time. And I just think if, if I were someone where I just dismissed and I just said, ah, Tina, I, I don't believe in that stuff, I would have missed out on what, all that mm-hmm. God did through that process.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it goes two ways, you know. When I've, I run through that same problem too, when I get a revelation from God, I have to struggle and pray and say, Lord, do I share this with this person? What are they going to think of me? Like, oh, you're just a dreamer, or like, and every time I've had to share something with someone, I'm taking a risk too. Like, I'm taking a risk on myself. I feel like I put God at risk too. Cause, like, what Ezra was saying is true. Like, there's sometimes you share something, it doesn't happen. And then you're just confused. Like, well, did I hear wrong from God? And that's part of this challenge and journey that we all have to go through with the Lord. But with uh, Ezra's situation, our, you know, it was a season in my life where I was having lots of dreams of different people. And it was like, okay maybe I need to share this because I I don't know what's going on in their lives, but God knows. Mm. And see, I didn't know as we just, I'm just learning this now, but I didn't know that that was a season of discouragement or a season of whatever you and your wife were going through. And so that's, that's my hope that when I do share a dream or a vision or word of knowledge, it's because it's supposed to instill hope in somebody. And it's supposed to let people know that there is a God out there and he does still use people and he's still talking Mm. And that's what happens with a lot of folks. They they'll send a message to me. If it's a word of knowledge, they'll say, this was a timely message. And so, um, yeah, so it works two ways. Like I, I, if I get the revelation and I need to share it, then I share it and I'm being obedient, but I'm also taking a step of faith because I don't know how I'm going, how it's going to be received. And then like, Ezra, I forgot about that text with, with the second, your second child. Ezra sent me a text when he told me that the next child was a boy. He's like, do you remember that you sent me a text? And I I had forgotten about it because it had been like maybe a year or two. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was just happy that it came true (laughs) because (laughs) you always worry about, well, did you hear correctly? Mm. Are you giving the right information? So,
0: Well, I think the key is how you frame it, though. Uh, As I recall, you're not saying, okay, this is definitely 100% from God. This is what I believe God is saying. I think that's a huge difference.
2: And I had a count like someone who who's who who has more, I guess, experience in this. She's like, you know, when whenever you're sharing, maybe you want to say, "This is I this is what I think God is saying," or I believe this is what. Instead of saying, "Thus saith the Lord," because, <laughs> um, you know, the old time prophets they were able to do that because I suppose they had a more, I don't know, it's just a time where I guess they really really heard from God. But, um, but we have a lot of distraction today, which I talk about in my book and. Sometimes you're just not sure. Is this really a message from God? So,
1: what do you say, Tina, to a twenty-something-year-old? I know some of my students uh, listen or watch, but what do you say to someone who has grown up? Uh, you know, I remember when we did. I remember I was a junior in high school. I think when our our home got the internet, you could use AOL Instant Messenger. You know.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah, could I could remember
1: that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like we grew up with a lot. They've been distracted since they came out, you know, like yeah. how do you, what would you say to someone who longs maybe not to replicate your experiences, but longs for that kind of intimate connection with the one true God, and yet they find themselves, the, the hearing is, you know, I, I love the statement, you said hearing takes time. You know that's not that's not our culture. Uh, There's a there's a Satan always has a counterfeit, and there's just so many things in our culture that are vying for our attention. What do you say to that distracted person who is looking at their life and say, you know, I might not know God in a way like Tina does, but i I want to I want that intimacy. Whether or not, you know, I tell Ezra, you know, he's going to have two two children, and you know, the experience don't have to be the same, but the intimacy. What what would you say to that person?
2: Yeah. Just start small. It's just like, like, I think I say in my book, it's like, it's like you're dating God, like start small. Like you, when you meet somebody, you don't know them and you just got to get to know them and you have to take steps, small steps, like, okay, let's go for coffee for an hour. Let's go for a run the next time. Let's watch this movie together. Like you're taking small steps. And then as you Mm -hmm. grow in your walk with God, it just blossoms and grows like a plant, like, you know, a plant needs some sun and needs some water. And then eventually, after time, it, it will blossom into something beautiful. So for young people, just like me, I just took small steps. I I remember my pastor said when I was in, in when I was a teenager, read the Bible. So I just I had a youth Bible and I just read like a couple statements a day or a chapter, and I didn't take any notes. I just read it, and that was just like a baseline. And then you grow from that. Then it was like university. Okay, now I'm gonna read and pray, and then make some notes. And I just went from there. Then I went on to do like my master's in theology and then I've grown and then I'm a pastor. So you just take baby steps and it's it's important that we don't pressure anyone, whether they're young or old. Mm. Like, let's just make it natural. Like you some of I don't know how long you've been married to your spouse, but uh Ezra, how long you've been married, like
0: eight years. Thank eight you years, for that okay.
2: test. <laughs> and like you, you know, your first year with her is probably different now in your eighth year. Like you're still getting to know her and you're still getting to know your kids. And it's just baby steps. And I think we put too much pressure on our people. And I think like we have to teach our people, wh- whatever our audience is. It, it just it takes time. This is something my yeah. father instilled in us, like he bought us our, I'm, a, I'm from a family of five girls and, uh, my father has a love for, for music and he bought us instruments when we were young and he's, he told me, he's like, take this guitar practice for 15 minutes. After a year, he upped it to 30. After that, it was 45 minutes. After that, it was an hour. And when I was a young person, I was like, this is boring. This is hard. I don't want to do this. But honestly, like if I didn't do those practice times, I wouldn't be proficient today. Like I wouldn't be able to do what I, what I can do. And that we have to teach yeah. that with our people that spiritual disciplines take time and it, it can't be rushed. We live in a, as one pastor says, we live in a microwave culture. We just mm-hmm. want to put things in a microwave zap it right away but the beauty of our walk with God is it does take time and and i think about someone like david you know he was a shepherd boy and then he had his moment with david and goliath and he was a harpist in the in the in the serving saul and it just it just takes time and then he became king like it just it does not happen overnight and i think we have to shun away from christian overnight success like there's there's just no such thing
0: mm-hmm. i think the time's a big thing and what are the biggest distractions that you see? What are the biggest distractions you've faced, um, that prevents you from spending that time with God? You list a number of them here that I'm just reading over, but what, what would be the two or three biggest ones you'd, you would face?
2: Well, you mean like, um, like us spending time with God?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, is it social yeah, media? I, what I is think, it?
2: Yeah. Like, I think we are in a very distracted culture. Um, you know we have to be busy to do things is what our culture tells us to do and like it's very difficult now i think in the last 20 years things have changed with social media and everything else Um, to sit and just listen like they you know they talk about like you know don't preach for an hour because nobody wants to hear a sermon for an hour but we it, it it, it is very very much uh difficult now because if you want to Uh, develop this ability to hear from God, you you really have to put in the time and the effort. So yeah, the distractions would be like, social media is one, uh, probably entertainment. And then like, you know, the culture is telling you one thing and then making time for that. But I think I talked in my book that the biggest barrier um, between hearing us, us hearing from God is, you know, sin. So I don't know if that's another question you want to ask me later. But but I agree that we're at a very distracted time. And I think uh, you have to consciously make the effort to know your priorities and then make it a priority. Uh, otherwise, it just, it, it just won't happen. Did so we- I, I disciple some people and I just say, like, start small. If you don't want to read a chapter from the yeah. Bible, download the Bible app and read some of those uh, devotionals. And that only takes like a, two minutes to start. Because like two minutes is better than nothing. So, you know, start there and then as you grow, it becomes easier to go two minutes to five and five to ten or, or however long you want to spend time with God. But the distractions are real. You've got friends, you've got family, you've got church ministry, you've got, you know, we can be busy for a good reason and yeah. not spend time with God.
0: Dave, I'm just curious, where, where do you find that line is? Because both of us, all three of us are busy with different things, right? And um, I'm kind of curious, where do you find that line between, okay, I'm doing what God wants me to do, but then over busy where I'm not being quiet like I should be?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, Tina mentioned it in her book, Sabbath. Um, Mm. I I feel like I'm more productive now that I'm serious about the Sabbath. And conversely, um, when something interrupts my Sabbath, I feel it. Mm -hmm. more than I ever have. Because I'm not made. I'm not made to go all the time. And I can't hear like I need I can't be the person that I need to be. I can't hear. uh, I can't sort of have that prophetic voice where I'm called to serve. If I am doing stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, I've been married 15 years. And one of the nice things about being married is um, my wife has a good handle on when things are too much. So when I come home with a new thing that I think I'm gonna do, she often says, hey, that's great. What are you cutting? You know? Yeah, that's and good. Accountability. So yeah. And so I think that that has been a saving grace. And also has in the moment when I'm meeting somebody one on one or I'm in the classroom or I'm up preaching like I was yesterday. Um I my I know there's nothing between me and God. That that authenticity, I think that connection with him is where the power, you know, I think of Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he spoke with authority,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, that, that wasn't just some manufactured thing. The power of God was, was on and in him.
0: I think that's a big thing. Like the the power, we want our words to have weight and we all have, you know, what i refer to as 2am people. Right. And Mm -hmm. when life really hits, we call them and why do we call them, right? It's because their words have weight to them. We would think like they have a special hotline to God in a sense, right? <laughs> and and I think that's one of the things that's personally driven me is like, I want to be that type of person for other people um, mm. to where they would want to call, right? And and I've got so much farther to go there, but that's that's a big thing for me is I want to be a 2 a.m. person for other people. Yeah. yeah. All right. well, dave, any any other questions you have along along those lines?
1: Yeah, so I would just be curious, you know, we're always so what what would you say to somebody, Tina? What would you say to somebody that has a terrible image of God? And so when you say, you know, it's just like spending time with you know with us with a spouse or a significant other or a good friend, and they say, like, I don't have any meaningful relationships or their view of relationship with God is, I'm going to come tell you all the stuff I need. You're going to kind of be like the spiritual dentist. Like it's going to be a lot of pain and you're going to work on me for about 15 minutes. And then I'll see you tomorrow at 6 30 AM. And if I'm super faithful, you know, like, like you meet with God and he, he, he works on you and then you come back and he works on you some more. How do you, how do you get someone to enjoy the time with the Lord and want to grow and spend time with him when maybe they're, their image of who he is is distorted.
2: Well, that's difficult because you're dealing with someone who we don't know why they have the terrible image of God. Maybe they had some painful experiences in their life. It's difficult. And, and so uh, there's some, some sections in my book where I talk about like trauma and rejection and abandonment. These things can really hurt us. And we have to remember that Satan is real and he does damage on us. Mm. So there's, I would say there's spiritual warfare happening and if there's someone that you know that is struggling to connect with God, prayer and fasting is really important. That's, what, that's one thing you can do for that person is to pray and fast for them, that there's like a breakthrough that they don't have this terrible image of God. Um, mm. But, you know, we also can be like, sometimes we need to be that person that comes along somebody and that's what God is calling us to do and help them to get through those things and to kind of, answer any of their questions. Like, why do they have this terrible image of God? Um, You know, I'm thinking about Job. Last week I was teaching my Old Testament class and and we were talking about Job and Job went through a very traumatic situation. And then he had three friends that didn't really help. If you ask me, like they they helped in the sense they sat with him. But then after that, their theology on suffering was just like, well, you sinned, you need to figure it out. And then one friend even said, like, you deserve more punishment. It's like whoa, well, like you're putting like more fire to fuel to the fire. So, you know, um, I, I I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think like we we need to answer the questions for people who have have these distorted or hard images of God, work through that, and we may not be able to be the one to help because who knows if that person might need some counseling. I don't know. Like some of this, some of these things are very traumatic. Like if if someone's been raped or abused or grew up in a household of addiction, like you're looking at like several layers to get through Mm -hmm. before they get to the point of I'm open to talking to God. Because normally in that case, some people are saying, well, why did God let this happen? And that's always a hard question to answer from the get-go. Why is this pandemic happening? Why did I lose my father when I was young? Why was I abused? Like Those are not easy questions. And Mm -hmm. it's like we have to... Uh, somehow holistically deal with all those layers first before we can get to the root of, okay, now you're ready to kind of open yourself to God and so forth. So there has to be a time of healing and restoration before we get to the actual practical things.
0: I mean, when I was preparing for this and just thinking about this interview this weekend, my mind drifts automatically kind of where David just talked about the person that doesn't know God. And they've had maybe different life experiences that have said, okay, there must be something out there. Like they hold their baby in their hands and like, okay, did this really just come from nothing? Right. Or or they take a walk in nature and they're like, okay, is this really all there is? It's just me. And then when I die, that's it. And they have questions and it's like, there's been these different times where God has kind of um, shown himself, but it's always been a little bit, uh, revealed and that can cause a lot of people. Uh, I think uh, I'm not going to quote offhand cause I, I might be wrong, but I think different philosophers in history where they said, you know, that's the reason I'm not a Christian, right? I think, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go off the, off, off the record, um, but basically, okay. I, I'm not a Christian because if God were real, he'd just show himself to me. And I think that's where a lot of people are at that don't believe in God is they say, okay, the onus is on God. God needs to show himself to me. And when he shows himself clearly, then I'll, I'll believe. But until that, okay, I'm sorry, religion, that's that's for you guys. I'm going to sit this one out. What do you say to a person like that?
2: It's interesting you asked that question because I just did my sermon on Sunday on Matthew 12. And mm. it's a story where this is an interesting question and it, it's interesting how we're talking about this now. This is God. Um, Matthew 12 the Pharisees confront Jesus and say, "Um, show us a sign. And Jesus already before that said, he casted out a demon. He healed on the Sabbath. And they're like, show us a sign, Jesus. And Jesus is like, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. And it's this whole idea. And the whole passage is about um, Jonah preached to the Ninevites. And they repented of their sins and Queen Sheba went to see Solomon and was so, you know, amazed by all his wisdom and what God was doing. And what Jesus was trying to say is someone greater is standing in front of you and you do not believe you do not believe. And it was just like Jesus saying to them, like, you don't need any more signs. I am the ultimate sign. There doesn't need to be any more miracles. There doesn't need to be any more casting out demons. Like this is it. I am here. You guys choose not to believe. And ironically, I don't like to, I don't like some people don't like to get into spiritual realm stuff, but you know what? We have to talk about these things because it's important. Spiritual warfare is real. They said to Jesus, Well, the, you're doing this, you're doing all this casting out demon by the power of Satan. And Jesus, is like, Well, a house divided cannot stand. That's not true. And then Jesus ironically tells them that parable of the story where um, a demon goes a demon is casted out of a house of of a person and then goes back with seven more. And, and then Jesus says, uh, this person is now far worse than, than before. And what he was trying to say there is that, um, he's like, you guys say I'm under the influence of the devil or under the influence of Satan, but really you are, because you don't want to be, you don't want to repent of your sins and then you don't want to be filled with the Holy spirit. And so Mm -hmm. this is an interesting question that you're asking me that, the signs are there. And I think it's Romans chapter one, verse 20, that says, God has revealed himself, his inter- in- eternal yes. power, and his divine nature has been revealed through, through nature, so mm-hmm. that people are without excuse. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me when I'm talking to people and they do make excuses. And I think about this passage in Matthew 12, where it's obvious or it's there, but we are choosing, or people are choosing not to believe and I don't know why. And it's a, it's a frustration on my part. I don't know about you in ministry, but it is a frustration, um, where especially if we're dealing with people who are not believers of Jesus and God has done miraculous things in their life. Like Ezra said, like holding a baby or being healed from some sort of sickness. And yet they don't make the step to believe in Jesus. That troubles me because that is what we call like a hard heart, a very stubborn heart. And uh, God is working, but we just have to believe. So, and I think childlike faith is so important. And I don't think that happens anymore. I think a lot of people want questions. They want their questions answered. But do you remember in the book of Job, Job asked questions. And what did God say to him? Yeah. He didn't even answer his questions. He's yeah. like, who are you to ask me these questions? <laughs> And, and that's missing in our in our culture right now. There's no fear of God. Mm. There's too much, like, oh, God's my friend, and he's and, and that's true. Yeah. But where's the fear? Like, there's a huge difference between humans and God. The, yeah. the 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 distance is so high, but what we are so happy to say to people is he closed that gap through Jesus Christ. Yes. But yeah. there is a big difference between us and God.
0: That was one of the points so. you made earlier, Dave. I think before yeah. the call is that you just love so much that Tina emphasized Christ in her book.
1: Yeah, I, I was yeah. thinking, I was how God speaks. I was, I was actually not expecting to see that in the list. Uh, and when you, when you had that, I think it was last, right in the book.
2: Last, yeah, Jesus Christ, yeah,
1: yeah. And I, it immediately triggered um, Hebrews one. You know, long ago, and in many ways, God spoken to us a prophets in these last days. He has spoken to us by his son. And Mm -hmm. I think for what, what, what would you say, you know, so much this post enlightenment Western world is opposed to the supernatural and yet it's all around us. How do you explain the intricately designed um, universe that we live in? You know, even as just mentioned a baby, but the, the, the miracle of human DNA and all of these things you, you see God trying to speak to us. And he, he sent his son, his final word to us. How do, in what way do you think um, we can do a better job of pointing people to Christ? But also, like you said, not um, only talking uh, in friend language. Like God is transcendent and holy, and yet he's, he's all of it. All right. how, how do we get that message across? Um, especially in our Western world?
2: I think it's a good question. I think, I don't know if I have the answer, but I think like in our, I'll just tell you a story. Maybe that may, might help. I, yeah. I remember I was talking to a non-believer and, and, and she wanted to know about God and uh, she was of a different religion. And, and you know, I think it, it, the Holy Spirit told me to say this to her. Why don't you ask God to reveal himself to you? Is what mm. I said to her. Because I believe that if you seek God, he will show up and he will reveal himself to you because you're seeking him. And the reason I said that to her was because I wanted Jesus to reveal himself to her. I cannot be that person. I can only Mm. be a witness. But um, if a person sincerely wants to know God and is at the end of their rope and thinking, well, God, can you please answer me? Can you please help me? I believe God will answer that prayer and God will Mm -hmm. show up. And he will do what he needs to do. Um, But for the person who's sort of like, maybe Nicodemus is this person, like, Mm. I want to know God, but I'm sort of on the, I'm not sure. And Jesus talked to him. And I don't know if we get full affirmation that he really did cross over, but he was sort of that person that represents very intelligent, very smart, but then came to God in secret, like, because he went at the nighttime to talk to Jesus. He didn't come in the daytime. He didn't want his friends to know what's going on here, right? So, yeah. so we're dealing with different kinds of people. Like there's the, the person who's fully now crossed over and, and, and believes in God and, and believes in Jesus. Now you got the people in, in between who are sort of like, I'm not sure. And then you got the third group, which is, well, no, there is no God and there's no Jesus. Yeah. So you're always dealing with different audiences. And I think we, this is where the Holy Spirit is helpful for us because he can tell us what to say to that person in that time. Cause we, we really don't, we're not really that smart. Let's just be honest. (laughs) Um, There are so many times where like, I don't know what to say here, God. And the Lord just tells me what to say in that moment. And I'm like, okay, this is perfect. And it resonates with that person because the Holy spirit knows that person and God knows that person. And we don't, we're just the vessels. So I don't like spend too much time trying to be like uh, someone to convince, but I believe because the Bible talks about, like Paul says in his word that, you know, We didn't come to you with the gospel with simple words, but we came with the Holy spirit and with deep conviction and with power. And that's, that's true. And we let the Holy spirit, he does his work, which is convict people, but we get to be part of what what's going on. And so it's, it's, it's like when Philip went to talk to the guy, um, like the Lord told him to go to the chariot and talk to that guy. And, And then, you know, the Holy spirit was just telling him what to do and what to say. And, and that the guy was reading this the scripture and he's like, well, what does this mean? And then, you know, he got to tell him what it meant. And then right there in that moment, he was baptized. So I think, I think it's that simple, but it's also hard.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting, Dave. One of the things we were talking about earlier before you came on, Tina, was that, and I was talking with someone else who runs a podcast earlier this week, and we were talking about what do you do with just interesting stories? You know, so you share different interesting stories. I shared an interesting story, you know, from with my kids earlier. And what do you do with all of these? And what's interesting to me here, you know, I've done podcasting now for, oh, goodness, it's it's going on about 10 years of different forms of this stuff. And so over the years, I've done just dozens and dozens of interviews with different people. And I began to notice a trend that there were the stories where people would come on and they would just say, okay, well, I accepted Christ when I was a young young person and it was pretty natural but oftentimes, there were weird sections to their story. There were bizarre se- sections where, where it was it was it was almost a little bit uncomfortable in the interview because you're like, okay, so God did that, you know, and and that was a big prompter to them coming to faith in Christ. But after listening to all of these, and I think you made an excellent point earlier that we have to be careful how we package these because we just go and say, okay, God did this, and He's going to do the <laughs> same for you that creates some pretty false expectations for God. But what I, what I've kind of come away with is saying, why not? Like, okay, do we really believe that God is real? And Mm -hmm. if we really believe that God is real, that God is good, wise, faithful, sovereign, he actually cares about us. Why would he not reveal himself in different ways to us? Um, And so I guess a big question That kind of ties into the conversation we've been having. Last week, I had a conversation with a lady in actually Scarborough, so not too far away from where you live. She works heavily uh, with Muslims, Hindus. And one of the things I asked her, is, I said, listen, you, you live in an apartment complex with almost all Muslim Hindu neighbors, right? And how do you handle that where you share the gospel and you... Want it to make an impact in their lives and them to be transformed and to accept Christ. But for five, six years, ten years, you have sometimes very close friends who don't accept Christ. How do you handle that? How do you not become a universalist? How do you not become someone that just says, okay, and kind of just wash your hands of sharing the faith? I ask this because you live in kind of a tough city to share your faith with other people, but you do on a regular basis. So yeah,
2: just speak to that. Well, I think what I've learned in the last 14, 15 years of ministry is that my role is to share the gospel, share it with love, but I don't take responsibility for how someone responds. And, Mm. you know, I used to take that responsibility very like, um, like it would weigh on me. And, um, I realized like, it's like, we're just always planting seeds. So you, you you talk to someone, you share your story, you talk about the gospel, you talk, you know, is this the time to say something, Lord? Is this the time to not say something? What should I say now? And then you, we are working with the Holy spirit. Like he, he leads us and he tells us Mm -hmm. what to do, what not to do. And again, it's the Holy spirit that convicts people. It's not us. So I think we put too much onus on ourselves. Like, oh, I gotta tell this person about this in the Bible, and I gotta, you know, give them this verse and so forth. And that's important, but, you know, um, again, I'm gonna say this because I think it's important. We are dealing with spiritual warfare. Warfare, like the enemy has territory, he's got people's hearts, and and people don't know this, and 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 then we come in and we we say something else, and then it can be it can be confusing, confusing. And I talk about this in my book where you can have like a mind battle going on. The world says this, God's saying this, Satan's talking to me about this. And then you've got your own ideas and you're just having this conversation in your head. And you're just like, which one is true? Which goes back to what David was saying. Like we need to, we need to know the word because the word tells us what's true. But yeah, like when you're trying to share the gospel with um, people who are like, like Hindus or Muslims or, or, or anyone outside of the Christian faith, it is not easy. It's very difficult, but we share because we feel God's telling us to and then we 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 must trust that what we did, what we said, has planted a seed, and that's what happens for some people. Like it, it may not spark in that moment, but um, after hearing it so many times, I heard. I I think I read in a book one time. It said like, after someone hears the gospel, like after twenty five times, then they might consider crossing over, and... which is quite a few times uh, to say to someone about talk about Jesus. But that's how I'm going to answer that question. Like, I, I don't um, feel like we do our part, but God does his part. But we cannot hold ourselves responsible for someone who may reject the truth. But I think sometimes as pastors, we do that because we mm-hmm. feel, you know, we, we care about people. I, I I have family and friends who who haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus. and And yeah. I'm still praying for them. Yes. This is like... Ongoing, and you wonder why they haven't crossed over. Like, how many signs, (laughs) like Jesus said, do you need? Yeah, and you never want it to be too late. But God is a God of grace, so He's always working with us. So,
0: Dave, I want to start wrapping things up here, but um, any last minute things you want to add, questions, comments. Stein no, remarks, just, was, as Daniel Henderson always says. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, I was just struck, even as the, the personal story you shared, as at no point, as amazing as that story is, I, I didn't think, oh, uh, Tina is so spiritual. And isn't it? Uh, my first thought was, man, God is so concerned about Ez and Janan that he will work through another one of his children who's in contact and connection with him to give them a word like he's that concerned about the details. Uh, I'm thinking about Elijah on Mount Carmel. The whole thing happens and they don't go away saying like, man, Elijah can sure pray. It's the Lord. He is God. And I, I guess I'm longing for more of those moments in my life. Um, not, not so I can even see them, but, so that people um, would would know that he is the one true God. Um,
0: and, yeah. and that, that almost gets to the heart, Dave. I think a lot of the conversations we've had off here about popular Christian speakers where the challenge is when you get done listening. So some are amazing, but the exceptions to the rule. You get done listening, and it's all about them, and you're wowed by them. And, and I think mm-hmm. that becomes major... Yeah problem when that happens doesn't it
2: yeah 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 and i think i remember reading the a book called um the holy spirit grows the church and one thing he said that stuck up for me was jesus um preached the word but then substantiated that word with works so word and works and you might be from a denomination or tradition that heavily relies on works and does not spend enough time on the word or vice versa mm where you're too much in the word and there's no works works, meaning like miracles, signs, wonders. And it doesn't have to be either, or why can't it be both? Why can't it be both? And I think that's been my journey where I planted myself in the word. That was my base. It was my starting point. It's my faith tradition too. But then it's like, because I was seeking God or because I had this desire and I, or I was just being like childlike faith, like, Oh, you know, God, I, I didn't ask to actually to have dreams. I didn't ask for these things. Actually, I, I, it just happened. It's just the way God started speaking to me. And I think it just can be that natural. And, and it does not make me any more special than anyone else. It does not. And I'm not more spiritual than anyone because at the end of the day, we're all sinners who need a savior. And that is mm. the truth. And that will always yeah. be the truth. So I, but then it's like, we said at the beginning, we don't need to put God in a box. Like he, mm. He is God and he will do what he needs to do. It's just a reminder to us when I spoke into to Ezra's life that, David, what you said was so true is we actually have an intimate God who actually, mm. there's 8 billion people in the world mm. and he can speak to one of his other children and mm. use that person to bless someone else. And I've had people do that in my life. And I don't know about you, but it has brought me to my knees and brought me to cry because I'm just like, whoa. Whoa. Wow, this is still happening. Old Testament, New Testament, this is still happening. And we get to be part of that. And we get to share that story. And that is the reason I wrote this book. Because I was like, there's just this sort of complacent spirit about God. And he still wants to talk to people. And he still wants to connect with people. And he's still in the business of wanting to see people saved. And I don't know about you, but that just makes me want to, like, jump up and clap my hands, praise God, whatever. Yeah. Even though I'm from a conservative tradition, (laughs) Um, yeah, and I'm just humbled by that. I really am. Like it's it's just crazy, but it's God.
0: Well, I think you summarize so well, kind of our heart behind doing this podcast, right? Because, like, as I pray, as I've prayed about this podcast, I'm thinking about the person that's sitting home at their couch or they're just scrolling through and they come across this and they're watching it. And they're, they're kind of thinking to themselves, ah, I don't, man, I don't really know if I believe in God. My goal isn't like our goal isn't to just like convince you and get you on our team. I mean, that's, that's, not right. the goal. It's like we want you to experience the reality of a living yes. God who is active in your life. Like anyone can believe great moral traditions from a variety of faith backgrounds. That, that's one thing and yeah. how it impacts your life. But to know that there is not only a God who lives and cares, but that he is actively working in your life and wants to actively work in your life uh, Mm -hmm. is just, it's what separates Christianity from every other religion and what makes the message really of your book uh, of what we've just talked about so powerful. So yeah, Yeah. Tina, um, I want you to close us out with this. Speak to that person. Tell tell us number one, where we can find your materials, but speak to that person who's watching listening, and they're saying, hey, man, that's kind of where I'm at. I've kind of been waiting for God to make the first move, and it feels like he hasn't.
2: Yeah, I want to say to you, if you're watching this video, like, you know, it's not even about Ezra, myself, or David. It's all about God, and it's just like, we're not here to be glorified. We're trying to have God be glorified because he deserves that, and so if you're looking and you're wondering and asking questions, just make that first move with God and just say, you know what, Lord, here I am. I don't know where to go i don't know where to start but here i am and help me to start like to know you better and Mm. and reveal yourself to me and so it just starts with that just that one statement can be such can be so profound and i know that god will work he can send a person in your life he can send a podcast he can have a sermon speak to you he's speaking in so many different ways so you just have to be open and and i think if you're in that place where you're not sure Why not take a chance? You have nothing to lose. Either he's Mm going to speak to you or he's not. And I believe that if you are looking for God, he will speak to you. So that's the way I want to summarize that. And it's not about us. It's not about our books. It's not about this podcast. It's about Jesus and it's about what he's doing. And he is our savior. So. Um, how to find my material Ezra is that what you were asking me like how to easiest
0: find... ways for Canadians and Americans
2: probably yeah Canadians you can go to Amazon or you can go to Indigo website and the title of the book is uh God is that you hearing from from God no sorry yeah God is that you hear <laughs> from God and if you look at my name it's on there right now so that's probably the quickest way to get the information but if you if you google my name and google the title then you'll you'll get uh, access to so many different websites that have the book, but that's the way to access the material.
0: Do me a f- quick favor, guys. One of the things I did, I got the Kindle version. If you again, if you're living in the States, I do Kindle a lot, uh, bought it and oh, yeah. then just left a five-star review. Hopefully you'll see that in a little bit. It'll come through. Oh, um, that's great. It, it's really helpful to do that for um, uh, if someone's just wrote a book, it helps gain traction. So if you want to be a support to what Tina's doing, that's a easy way to to do that. So, Dave, any, any final thoughts?
1: Thank you, Tina. Yeah. Good stuff. I just want
2: to say thank you guys, Ezra and Dave, for, for giving me this opportunity and for what you're doing. And I, I know God is using what you're doing to, to bless people.
0: Well, it's awesome. Um, next week on our podcast, we have Craig Dennison, son of Jim Dennison from the Dennison form. And Craig does a lot of fantastic good. We actually tried to get his dad on. I was it last week, but then uh, living just outside Texas, not a good time right now. So we'll yeah. have Jim on in, in a few weeks. But Craig is on uh, next week. So thanks so much for tuning in to the Monday Christian Podcast. And we'll uh, talk to you all again, hopefully, very soon.
2: Thank you.
1: You've been listening to the Monday Christian Podcast, the program that helps you put into action the truth of God's word that you hear on Sunday to your everyday life on Monday. For more info on this program, simply visit our website, themondaychristian.com. That's themondaychristian.com.